Hello and welcome to the Finance Smarts Entrepreneurship Series. Here is our host, Arul Nigam. Hello everybody and welcome back to the second episode of the Finance Smarts Entrepreneurship Podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be speaking with Ms. Deborah Sawaf, an entrepreneur and the creative director and president of Tali Blanc. She has worked with eminent figures in the fashion industry, from Valentino to Roberto Cavalli, and lived around the world, from India to the Middle East to Italy to LA. Ms. Sawaf has also been an active philanthropist and is an expert in sustainable philanthropy. Welcome, Ms. Savoff, and thank you so much for joining us. Uh, so I guess just to begin with, um, could you please explain your path to where you are today and what motivated you to become an entrepreneur? I think the entrepreneur part of it was just um, automatic. I didn't actually study to be an entrepreneur. I studied to be a designer. And most creative people like to go out on their own. And my journey has been, it's been a roller coaster ride where you have this, you know, really tough uphill climb and then you come down and you're screaming with joy until you pause and then you have to climb back up again. And that is, has been a constant. And I think it's pretty much a, a constant for most um, entrepreneurs. At least that's the way it's been for me. And um, I'm really happy where I am today. I love what I do. Uh, I think passion, resilience, uh, persistence, those are, you know, the really important uh, key words for an entrepreneur to know that's just part and parcel of the package. Right. And so on, on that topic of the um, ups and down that you mentioned and having resilience, um, could you just talk about some of your biggest challenges and the obstacles you faced are early on, especially as someone who, uh, whose main goal wasn't necessarily entrepreneurship, and how did you overcome them? And uh, early on in your career, what did what did you learn from that, and how did uh, how did that in- influence you uh, going forward to where you are today? Well. Um... I think one of the biggest challenges, I was born in India, my mom's English, my father's from India, and I lived in the Middle East for about 12 years before I actually moved to the United States. So I started my career mostly in the Middle East, and um, by the time I moved to the United States, I just thought I could pick up and start over again. And I think the biggest challenge was... um, learning the terrain and getting to know the people. And I should have made an effort to do that before I actually launched my business because I didn't study in the United States. I didn't work here and I didn't take the time to understand the terrain. I just, um, you know, it was my first time starting out um, on my own in a completely new country. I'd lived in the Middle East for several years before I started my business. So people knew who I was. We, I had, you know, I had an awareness of the culture. I had an awareness of, um, you know, the marketing, uh, and it's much smaller as well. Uh, when I came to the to the United States, I took a big leap, and because it looked promising, you know, it, it seems all rosy. But uh, I ended up starting my business because the product was 100% or is 100% Italian, I ended up starting out in Italy. And uh, when we moved back to the States from Italy in 2016, that was the toughest part of business for me. So so that actually sounds like uh, two very big leaps, not only the adjusting to a new country and new culture, but also um, the involvement uh, or the 
initiation of your uh, entrepreneurial uh, journey. So what were, what was, I, I'm sure there was a lot of um, probably uh, fear or hesitation uh, at the beginning. So how did you manage that and overcome that? Because uh, I know not, not necessarily everyone is um, crossing borders when they begin their journey, but uh, obviously there's a lot of uh, fear involved when you're taking a, a, a huge risk at the beginning. So how did you uh, deal with that and manage that and grow from it? Well, when you're creative, there's, you know, the creative mind and then there's the business mind. I am the creative mind and I grew to understand the business. So I should have actually done an MBA before I started my business. So I would have had a different approach. But I was really excited. It was new territory. It was huge. Uh, Italy, you know, received us so well. So I thought when I was back home in California that I would get the same response. And uh, while we worked by coastal Italy and the, the United States, uh, I spent much more time in Italy. Our marketing was mostly Italian, even though we had PR companies here. We, we did not really have a pre presence, but I did not understand the market. I did not understand the consumer. I didn't know what their taste was. And we, were, we are a very global product. Um, I didn't do what most people do today is pay attention to visibility online. So we were very slow there and that hurt us eventually in a big way. So I think those are things, which is one of the reasons why I actually am so keen to talk to entrepreneurs, because as an entrepreneur, you're really excited to get out and do your thing and launch it. But uh, when I listen to some of uh, the presentations that um, kids make for their ideas, uh, they see only part of it. They haven't seen the 360 degrees that it takes to actually accomplish where you want to be. And, uh, you know, that to me is uh, so an understanding that we all need to have before we get really excited about going out into the market with a product or with a project. So, so that uh, actually makes a lot of, um, a lot of sense. And uh, it's sort of within that there is something else uh, I wanted to ask you about. Um, I guess uh, whatever industry you're in, as an entrepreneur, you have to deal with the daily challenges um, of the business, but also um, maintaining creativity in whatever space you're in, whether it's fashion or tech or something else. So what is that, what is that like and uh, what advice do you have for uh, like the young people that you mentioned for uh, learning to, main to, uh, to maintain that balance between those two things? Uh, especially early on. Well, if you create, if you're a creative mind, I think you have to make sure you have the right partners that have the skills you need to run your business, but definitely not the same skills as you do. So you need to make sure your team is really well rounded, and we think that we can wear all hats and we can do everything uh, because we think we have an understanding of the business. We have an understanding of the consumer, but until you've actually tested something, you really don't know. So you take a period of time to test. And at the same time, I think you need to, uh, uh, I can only talk from a completely creative aspect, but had I had a partner who understood the fashion business, who understood PR and marketing, all of which you tend to ignore. So growing the business, uh, I am fortunate that I can 
create a collection really quickly. But if I didn't have that ability to do, one of the things in the business would have suffered. And you still lag behind in a big way. So you stop being as creative as you actually want to be because you're really trying to grow your business. So the team is really important. Okay, I see. So you, uh, since there's so many uh, diverse responsibilities that are, um, that you have to address, uh, the team is really important for maintaining that that balance. Absolutely. You know, no man is an island. You can't do something all by yourself. Um, you do need to make sure that you have people that complement your idea or your skills. And there's a lot of different aspects of the business that we don't really pay attention to. Like when someone makes a presentation, they have a great idea, they're going to go out and market it. And you don't realize how, you, you know, you've got to be out there in the market, getting the feedback, get your feedback from the people who are your potential customers and not testing a really small community. I started out with a really small uh, uh, section of society and uh, it took me a while. It takes you much longer to understand what the bigger marketplace needs. That makes sense. And so how do you, just, just one more thing on this, uh, on this topic how do you incorporate that, um, I guess, basically uh, market research that you're mentioning with, uh, with your creative process? Because obviously, um, you, especially in your industry, uh, I guess there's an element um, of artisticness to it. But also, um, obviously, you have to be uh, responsive to your, uh, your customers and your market. So how do you, um, what is that like? And how do you incorporate that into your uh, your own creative process? Well, as a designer, I like to say to designers, don't let people change who you are or change your aesthetic because you don't want to look like everybody else. You want to be unique for who you are. So make sure your product is unique to you and talk speaks you. So people, when they look at it, they have to say, that's a Deborah Sawaf. Or when I look at this, I know this is her, one of her creations. So it's got you've got to be able to identify with your product. And I'm talking purely uh, from a fashion uh, perspective. Uh, however, when you're out in the market, people are going to say to you, oh, you know, I'd like it in uh, a different kind of fabric. Or how about if we do it, you know, slightly longer, slightly shorter, or a little more of this or a little more of that. Uh, you've got to take into consideration things that really matter and are actually going to sell your product on a bigger in, in a bigger picture, but stay true to yourself. That's the most important thing is your product needs to speak about you. Okay. So you need to, you need to adjust to your market, but without, um, losing your, your own creative it touch and your, your distinctive. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, so now I'd like to move on to a, uh, slightly, uh, slightly different topic. So you've mentioned how, uh, your business and your background has given you a platform uh, for advocating for the empowerment of women and for children. So, could you just talk a little bit about um, a, a little bit more about uh, what you do there and how uh, entrepreneur your background in entrepreneurship has um, has aided you with that? I have to break it up into different parts. So, I was born in India, and as you know, um, it's a developing country, and we've seen the worst of poverty if you've actually lived and grown up in India. And I was surrounded by people that were always involved in philanthropy. Some of my uh, my closest friends that I have to say that really steered me in that direction, which was um, which has had added a lot of value to my life. 
uh, so when I moved to the States, I knew that I wanted to do something, uh, wanted to do something to change uh, lives. And I was, I was married and I was going to have kids. But even before I had kids, my father always said it takes every drop to fill the ocean. So it doesn't matter about how big the impact is. It's the fact that everyone tries to do their bit and, and you know, create the impact or work towards something. So when I got married and I was going to have kids, I, I wanted to create a program uh, to teach kids philanthropy. The important part of that is uh, I realized I studied psychology. So I realized that um, the best time to teach kids philanthropy was between the ages of seven and 12. And they're most impressionable at that age. And I think you can uh, you can teach teach them and you have to teach them the gratification of giving if they don't understand what they're contributing towards and they don't feel the emotion given back from their contribution uh, you know it's like giving away things you don't need and with our family you don't give it give away things you don't need uh, if you want to give away something if it's if you're going to call it charity it's got to be a sacrifice if you don't miss it it's not charity it's something you don't want and uh so with my kids uh they gave up presents at the age of seven and picked a cause and whatever it was whether it was pediatric cancer research or education for underprivileged kids they had to give something up but they had to give it up completely it was not like i can give up a little bit and have a little bit it was all or nothing and there was no you know no problem if they didn't want to do it at all um so it was a test with my kids for the St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital, where we started uh, a program called Kids for Kids with Cancer. And the kids would go out uh, into the farmer's market and very organically and grassroots. Uh, it was a grassroots effort for them to uh, sell the French crepes at the farmer's market. And all the proceeds from that would go to uh, the St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. And I found that every time the kids would run out into the streets and invite people to come in and buy a crepe, a French crap and every time they were able to get somebody to spend that five dollars or ten dollars uh it gave them a sense of gratification it gave them a sense of fulfillment it's like they made it happen they changed something for somebody else and that worked beautifully and um you know we started it as as a program and we did it regularly and as my kids grew we decided that um, they were going into college and we realized um, that there were a lot of kids that were incredibly smart and didn't have uh, the means to be able to go to college. And we wanted to do as a family, do something different and uh, realize to us that education is the best gift you can give someone. It changes, you know, generations. You educate one person, you edu educate generations to come because a mother will make sure her kids are educated and so on. Um, so um, under the under the umbrella of the brand, we started uh, what you see as the happy project. So everything with uh, the happy quote on it, which reads, I have a reason to be happy and the reason is you. Anything with the happy message on it goes towards education for underprivileged kids. I think um, what I wanted to teach my kids from this and I, what I wanted young people to learn from this is you don't have to wait until you've made your first million or, or got your first check to give back. You can give back um, 
a very small amount every day. If you start a business, give back, um, you know, five cents to the dollar or five cents to $10 and it just adds up. And I think if you think about it, you don't feel like you're giving away so much when you have to write a check for, uh, you know, $500 and you want to do something and you want to create an impact. But if you're giving back daily and if you set the example, I think uh, you're an entrepreneur, you're starting your own company. If they know that you're doing this, maybe your employees would want to do it. And it's a nice way to make it, um, you know, the essence of the brand in some ways. I think uh, I think that's an amazing uh, mission. And. Um, I, I really uh, uh, appreciate what you're doing and uh, everything that uh, your business has, has also been um, involved with. So I just want to ask you about um, the next step, I guess. So once you um, instill those values in someone, if there's someone who wants to, who's interested in, um, in, uh, in giving back and perhaps wants to create um, uh, a nonprofit organization or some sort of, uh, some sort of char- charitable group, um, how can they do that in a sustainable way? Because I know you've talked about um, the dangers of just wanting to give back, but not ap- not applying um, an entrepreneurial mindset. So, which will obviously preclude preclude you uh, from from maintaining that in the long term. So, how do you how do you approach this sustainably? So, when you're talking about starting a foundation, it's it's rather complicated, and the best way to do it is like I said in the beginning, every every business needs a team. So it's bringing on the right people. You have a very kind heart and therefore you're thinking about others and you want to do something charitable. But even to do something charitable, it's a business. You have to employ people, you have to pay people because there's only this long people are going to work for you and understand that you're charitable, but everyone needs to make money and uh, you know put the food on the table, so to speak. So I think uh, you have to think about um, starting a foundation or giving back as a business as well. I'm privileged and I was fortunate and I'm able to be able to give from what we make. But had I to start uh, my foundation and had to grow, I I won't call it our foundation because we don't really uh, take any money directly. All the money goes directly to the causes that we work with. But if you have to do that as an individual, you're going to have to pay for your time, for your travel, for uh, the people that work for you. And, you know, if that isn't uh, isn't sustainable and you can't keep going, you're going to have to drop it and get a real job to support your philanthropy. That, that makes sense. And so uh, obviously uh, between um, a for like charity uh, and an actual business, there's a difference in for-profit versus non-profit. But besides that, would you say there are, there are any um, major differences in how you'd approach it? Because uh, based on what you're saying, it sounds like uh, they're actually very similar. Because if you run, obviously it's not for-profit, but um, if you run it with the same uh, skills of running a business, that's how you uh, how you prepare for the longer term and um, ensure that you can continue giving back for a long time? For, for non-profit businesses, there are so many organizations out there that will support you. It's, you know, how you pitch what you're doing and those become, they become your partners. They become the team that surrounds you. So if you can bring on the right partners and get the right funding, and especially at, uh, you know, somewhere almost all universities have programs for, uh, especially not-for-profit organizations. So uh, it's finding the right partners to work with you. 
I see. And so, uh, just going back to the idea of teams, um, obviously the uh, specific will vary from industry to industry. But what do you what do you look for uh, in your uh, in your teammates for uh, for your business or for your um, charitable uh, endeavors? I think what's really important to me is first I need to vibe and there has to be some kind of synergy between the two people working together. Uh, you need people that are driven. Uh, you need people that aren't, uh, you know, that are focused and are looking at long term, especially as an entrepreneur, you don't want to keep hiring and changing staff. So make sure they understand your vision and make sure they're willing to go with you because it's a struggle. It's not an easy life. Uh, starting some people start out great, but you know, how many of the entrepreneurs do we actually know personally that have been successful as soon as they get out the door or as soon as they leave college? It's not really uh, it's not an easy path. So make sure your team understands that. Make sure they show they share your vision and they understand either your product or your, uh, you know, your whatever it is. They are, if it's technology, they are tech savvy and hiring the people that have the skills that you lack. Okay, so, so it's uh, making sure your team shares your vision and also uh, everyone brings a new critical skill to the table yes and you know you have to be able to just you have to agree to disagree uh, i see i see that makes sense um and so uh, i know you were just talking about uh the the successes and failures of um new entrepreneurs um so could you could you just share uh what you think the uh biggest lesson uh or uh biggest piece most important piece of advice uh, you wish you could go back and give yourself uh, when you were just starting out as an entrepreneur? I do wish, and I often say that, um, you know, some people say I have a PhD in fashion business just from running my own business uh, for so long, but I wish I had understood the business side of fashion before I actually uh, dove into fashion. So it's really important, and I, I like to say to creative people that, you know, get out of high school and go straight into fashion, understand the other sides of it. And I, I, I think, um, you know, taking the time to study business is not a bad thing. You might lose a few years, uh, but it's, um, it works to your advantage. Okay. So your, your biggest piece of advice would be, uh, making sure you have a solid foundation in the actual, uh, technicals of like the business side. Absolutely. And also, uh, you know, from my personal experience, understanding the terrain, understanding the market, studying it. And even if you're incredibly good at what you what you do, um, you have to make sure people know that you're good at what you do. And how do they know that you're good at what you do is by really, uh, you know, gaining visibility and everything today is online. And there are so many ways to do it, but everybody's online. So how do you beat that? as an entrepreneur? How do you beat the big people that have uh, all the funds to be able to go out online and spend millions of, of, on ads or ad spent or whatever it is that, you know, on Google search and all of that, when you start out as an entrepreneur with a small budget? 
unless you're funded. But uh, that's where I like to say, find your partners, find uh, as creative people, look for your partners in technology. That's really helpful as well. I see. Okay. And um, so just a, just a, uh, a final question. Uh, I guess uh, maybe this uh, sort of uh, flows from like the idea of the team, because I know you've mentioned that a lot, but uh, what would you say is the most important lesson uh, that you have personally learned on your uh, entrepreneurial journey? I think it's relationships. You meet several people along the way, um, you know, never, never get disappointed by someone saying no, because you learn from that. There's something to be learned from either every rejection or every failure. Every failure is a lesson. Um, you know, stay open-minded and I am really open-minded and uh, I'm always willing to listen to what people have to say, but also staying focused and uh, going after what matters most. I think it's the focus to me that is the most important thing for an entrepreneur is we tend to figure out because we're creative, this is what's working and this is not what this isn't. So instead of taking the time to figure out why something isn't working, uh, we jump to something else. And uh, that's normal and human tendency because you want to move really quickly and you think by changing what you're doing is going to work right away, but understand why it didn't work in the first place. So focus is the most important uh, thing for an entrepreneur. And your vision and staying true to your vision. Okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's like, those are the, um, also like the common threads, like, uh, throughout that, basically, like the importance of uh, maintaining your relationships and having the right people on your side, um, having the uh, at least somewhere on your team having the technical expertise uh, for for everything that uh, in your space, um, and then finally understanding the terrain um, and the market that you're working in. Well, thank you so much. That was uh, really helpful. Um, I know I got a lot from that, and I'm sure uh, everyone is going to learn a lot. So. Thank you so much for all of your time. No, my pleasure. Thank you.